it's the next level. I'm worried, Ray. It's getting crowded in there, and all my recent data points to something big on the horizon. What do you mean, the big? Well, let's say this Twinkie represents the normal amount of psychokinetic energy in the New York area. According to this morning sample, it would be a Twinkie 35 feet long, weighing approximately 600 pounds. <coughs> That's a big Twinkie. We could be on the verge of a fourfold cross rip, a PKE surge of incredible, even dangerous proportions. We just had a visit from the Environmental Protection Agency. How's the grid holding up? It's not good. Tell them about the Twinkie. What about the Twinkie? Welcome to another chapter of Still Afraid of the Dark from the Next Level Network. I am one of your hosts, Rob Martin, also from the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods in DC Primetime. Joining me, as always, is Ben Beck. Also from... Not from the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods. Well, well, sometimes from the Caffeine Crew Sometimes from the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods. Sometimes from the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods. Well, I'll say from DC Primetime on the Next Level Podcast Network, uh, as well as a number of other podcasts, as are you. But uh, yes, thank you for the introduction, as always. So also joining us today for this chapter is from also sometimes the <laughs> Caffeine Crew cast of Pods, good old also, Bill. Also, mostly only the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods. I don't think I've been on anything else. That's true. This is your first time yes. on any other Next Level show. So uh, so this one's done a little bit differently. So like I said, uh, obviously this is, uh, I think uh, as you guys are hearing this, it'll be, this will be chapter three. I think. Uh, I yes, believe yes, this is chapter, chapter three. three. Yes. This will be chapter this three. This will be chapter three. It's weird because we record this out of order, so it, it doesn't make it easy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is chapter three. But um, this one was going to be a fun one, though, yes. because it's two really great family-friendly uh, films. Uh, so the ones that we're going to talk about today are Ghostbusters and Casper, or as we like to call it, The Tale of Unfinished Business. Yes. Uh, so. Is that the... Uh, I kind of have a feeling we should do Casper before Ghostbusters. I think so. I think we could do it that yeah. way. But I think that's a great uh, title for this one. I think it's a perfect title for this one. Yeah. So because we were trying, like, we were trying to come up with that uh, earlier, and I think we came up with like the the tale of the tale of the ghost was too plain. Yeah. Uh, but unfinished business. But after I watching think, Casper, I'm like, yeah, that's that's perfect. Yep. That's So it just fits that. Mm-hmm. It's just exactly. And there right. actually is a connection between the two films. There really is. But before we get into that, though, we have to talk about the drink that we're we're uh, enjoying today, which is Ecto Cooler. Uh, surprise, and surprise. And not Ecto Cooler <laughs> in the way of where there was the revival a couple of years ago, and we had a couple hanging around because we do still have some hanging around, thanks to thanks to Ben. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I bought in overabundance when it was re released. Right. So. So the question is, how good does uh, does it last for? Actually, it still tastes pretty good. I had one the other day. <laughs> oh, fair. Yeah. Well, the drink that we're having is actually not legit Ecto Cooler. This is more of a, of the adult version. Uh, so what is included in this drink is uh, just standard lemonade. You can use anything from Country Time to just a normal kind of store-bought. Make sure it's more of the sweeter variety versus the more bitter. But in addition to that, though, too, the odd one in there is orange tangerine juicy juice and make sure to specifically use orange tangerine juicy juice which for people who weren't aware ecto cooler was basically orange tangerine high c exactly yeah so but this is really 
again, the closest thing you're going to find is a mixing agent. Next, you're going to use a Clementine vodka and just a splash of Blue Curacao. Uh, so pretty much, uh, I think it's six parts juicy juice to two parts lemonade to three parts vodka to a splash of Blue Curacao. Throw that through a shaker, and you should have a wonderfully nice, perfect colored, uh, kind of Slimer-esque colored drink that tastes exactly like classic high C ecto-cooler. Uh, you can check out on the Next Level uh, Facebook page. Uh, you'll see how to make the drink specifically. Yep. You can kind of follow along. But if you have any questions on that, you can always just reach out to us and just message us through Facebook, and we can kind of help guide you through that drink along with any of the other drinks so far from Still Afraid of the Dark. Uh, but before we go into anything else, uh, I'm going to actually kick this over to Ben to get us started on our conversation today. Yeah, so two titles that we're going to be talking about this week, uh, are, as Rob had mentioned at the top, are the 1995 Casper with Bill Pullman and Christina Ricci, and of course the 1984 classic Ghostbusters with Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, Dan Aykroyd, and Ernie Hudson as well as a number of other co-stars that are in there as well. There might be discussion as we as we talk about that, breaking into Ghostbusters 2 and possibly the, the reboot that happened a couple years ago. But for the most part, we're going to focus more just on the first film uh, for now. So I think a good place to start it off would be with Casper with 1995. I mean, it's the newer of the two movies, but I feel like... Of the two, it's the more family-friendly, and then we can also use the connection between Casper and Ghost, Ghost, Ghostbusters to kind of take us into the the conversation about Ghostbusters. Absolutely. I think that's a really good, good place to start. So, what we're, like I said, we usually kind of kick this off to our guests first. So, Casper, how... how when was the last time you've seen this movie, or have you ever seen this movie before, Bill? So, I had never seen Casper before. Uh, I watched it last night in mm-hmm. preparation for this, <laughs> and I was it was fun. I liked it. I really enjoyed it. You forgot one of the the, the best actors. The, the cameos. Well, uh, Brad Garrett. Well, I mean, and I, I mean, that was something we were going to talk. I was going to talk about oh. too. Is that he is like he's not a cameo character. No. He's definitely a full blown character. But there's no mistaking that voice. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. There, any character that Brad Garrett voices, there's no mistaking that voice. And and out of the three ghosts, he is the most well known mm-hmm. of all three of the actors. Because uh, I looked that up too. Uh, the other two have done voice work before, but none of them have really done anything live action since. It's all mostly voice work. Mm-hmm. Brad Garrett's pretty much the most successful out of all of them. Yeah. I thought you were going to mention another cameo that I forgot nope, to talk about last nope, night. But nope. We'll, I'll, we'll talk about that scene in a bit. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll talk more about the movie. I I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, you know, even though it's a it's a family friendly movie, and I'm not so much into family friendly movies nowadays as you know back when I would have seen it for the first time. If, if I watched it back in 1995. 95. Um, yeah, I, I still, it was fun. It was a fun time, although it did seem it took a while to get going. A little bit, I would say. It's probably a good, like, maybe 20 minutes, I think, until they move into the house. Uh, even even when they move into the house, I'm like, wait a minute, okay, what are they doing? What are they doing? Uh, and I'm, I'm looking at the time, I'm like, I'm an hour in, and I'm like, wait a minute, where, where are we going with this? <laughs> I, I will say there are a couple things, because I rewatched it as well last night. And you mean, wait, oh, actually, wait wait a second. You mean the whole, like, let's burn the, the, the deed and whips death doth a treasure hold wasn't <laughs> enough for you? No. <laughs> I mean, it was like, okay, great. Uh, they're going to go to this house. So they get to the big house. They get scared. They hire, you know, the, the psychic uh, psychologist, uh, Bill Pullman, who was 
fantastic. I, I love, love him Bill Palmer. Everything. I, I, he's uh, well. This was like the, the this was like the bat, massive re- resurgence of his career. Well, you like. figure shortly after this was Independence Day. Right. Independence Day was ninety seven. Yeah. Um, uh, he had while you were sleeping with Sandra Bullock. He had Spaceballs, which I think was shortly before. The, yeah, it was well, well before well before before, well before. Uh, before Casper. That, that was late eighties. But think. like this was this was that like stir back up where it's kind of like he was kind of like became like a Hollywood go to like mm-hmm. at this point in time. But like it was and same with Christina Ricci. I mean, this was just that cycle for the two of them where it was kind of like bang 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 hit after hit after hit. Uh, but yeah, this was I, that was that was fun though with that stuff. I, I think it was a great right off the bat, amazing cast. So. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm looking uh, Independence Day, Mr. Wrong, Fallen Angels, Lost Highway, Lake Placid. Yeah, this he was in a he was in a good time of his career at that time. Wyatt Earp, he was he was doing a lot of stuff around that time. Yeah. So, but he's always been like a fantastic actor. Like he's one of those ones that doesn't matter what he's in, I enjoy what he does. Like even in the minute role he played, Jane playing Dina Davis's husband in A League of Their Own. Oh yeah. You know, it was mm-hmm. a small role, but like he's great in everything you put him in. And he's still to this day my favorite movie president from yeah. President Whitmore in Independence Day. Yeah, I can quote that speech, and I usually do every year on Fourth of July. Uh, it's it's tough to beat Dave and oh uh, uh, yeah, Chris Klein and Dave Kev- Kevin Klein or Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein, yeah, yeah. yeah. Chris Klein. Yeah. He, he's a good he's a great yeah. president as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So so is Terry Crews though in uh, <laughs> President Camacho. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah exactly. One, one, of, one of the tops by by all stretches <laughs> of the imagination. Uh, but I mean, like in addition to Bill Pullman, you mentioned Christina Ricci, and of course, you can't really go wrong with anything with Eric Idle. Right. I mean, oh, yeah. Eric Idle was a fantastic addition to this. He added so much levity, so much comic relief to the film. Even now, I, you know, I've seen the movie a number of times, and rewatching it last night, there were scenes with him that still make me laugh. When his thumb is on fire, and he starts beating his thumb to kind of put out the fire. Oh man, it's, it's very, very much that traditional like slapstick over the topness yeah. that he, he really portrays mm-hmm. throughout this which is fun I mean I think there's we've gotten so far away from it I mean like I said you look at it this film now I mean it's definitely feels dated I mean it's it feels dated a little bit but not, it didn't not terrible feel, yeah it didn't feel terribly dated to me yeah I mean like oddly enough I would say they, they still the ghosts actually still played fairly, fairly well yeah. to watching it now which was surprising yeah. especially for something from 95 I mean you know we're, we're that was the the time that we're like we're going to use CG, and everybody's like, please don't. <laughs> That's <laughs> kind of where we were at at that point in time. Yeah, very true. So I agree with all the ghosts, uh, you know, in terms of the, the CG for the ghosts, uh, except for, and this will be a bit of a spoiler for Bill Pullman's ghost at the towards the end. I was watching his ghost, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> this feels... This feels bad. Well, I mean, well, because when you look at the other three ghosts and you look at Casper, they're basically just white ghosts. There's they're, no clothing or anything like that. They're cartoon ghosts, and they're the ghosts that we remember from the Casper, you know, uh, cartoons. Yeah. And I, I loved the Casper cartoons growing up. Like I watched them all the time. Um, and and this really, you know, seeing Casper as a CG ghost was still fantastic. I was like, that's the Casper I remember. Like it was still, it was spot on for what I remember. As the you know the cartoon, I was very surprised we never really got a sequel. Like they they had like kind of a spinoff, if memory serves correctly, where they did like didn't they do like a, another direct like DVD movie or something I think like they that? Did, yes, but it was like they used like a cartoon variant on on the ghost that time versus using CG. Um, but I was really surprised that this never spawned into like Casper meets Wendy things like that. Like which kind of felt like actually I think there I think there was a Casper and Wendy. But I think, I, I, but I think it's like I, I think it was kind of like a, a more animated um, 
kind of affair versus like a big Hollywood production. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, yeah. I think if there was anything, it was... Well, the, mid- um, the mid-90s were the, the, the land of direct-to-DVD. Mm-hmm. Like, that was... Yep. And that's what Casper, A Spirited Beginning, which was a prequel, was 1997, and that was a direct-to-video release. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's what I thought, so... Uh, but yeah, I mean, like I said, one of the things I, I do still thoroughly love, though, is again, is that there's that Tex Avery-ness to this, it feels like, this is the best best way I can put it. Like, it's not, it's not quite Merry Melody, it's not quite like a classic Disney cartoon, but there's that Tex Avery-ness, I think, I, all over the way that the ghosts emote, which is really fun, like, when you think of, like, kind of, like, the bugged out eyes, the stretched out jaws, all those little things, they just have so much fun playing with those concepts over and over and over, and I think that's one of the things that kind of holds up the most for me is the way that they play them as, as these wonderful kind of functional cartoons. Mm-hmm. So. It's funny because in my rewatch of both movies, uh, as I did for this for this episode, there's actually something I've noticed for the first time in both films. There's something I picked up on in Ghostbusters, which we'll talk about when we get to that point. But there's actually something I came, I came across this time watching Casper that I never came across before. And that for the first time, they actually reveal Casper's last name. You know his last name in this movie. It's never mentioned, but you see it. There's a moment where Christina Ricci is in the attic and she comes across all the boxes and the crates and she wipes her hand across the box and it says the family name in the box when she opens it up and finds his things. That's right. And his last name is McFadden. His name was Casper McFadden. And I don't think it's ever revealed in the cartoons what his last name is, but the film gave him a last name. They made him a real person. At one point or another, he's a real boy now. <laughs> he is. Well, he, well, he is a real boy for a second or two. Yes, and, and, of, the and of course, the person that they pick to play the real boy Devin was also Sawa. was also like the the teen bop mm-hmm. love interest in like he was the actor that everybody loved in that time with all the girls loved was Devin Sawa. Uh, well, this was his first first big foray yeah. into anything, and then like later we saw him in things like Idle Hands, Final Destination, and things like that, and he, he kind of became like one of those big it kind of characters for yeah. a while. I mean, you know. It was a quick rise and a quick fall, but I mean, <laughs> Devin Sawa was was a big go-to person for quite some time. Yeah, and Idle Hands is completely different than. Oh anything. my god, <laughs> it's it's a great movie, but it's it's maybe next year different. we'll talk about PG thirteen <laughs> Halloween films. Yeah, well, I think we're kind of already to that point with Ghostbusters because there are yeah, some well, adult things in Ghostbusters. Well, I mean, there there are, but there's stuff that's easy to be able to look past. Yes, I mean, as well, a, as a kid, you don't you don't know what it is, so you completely look past it. Right. Yeah. I, I like to say that it's it's a lot of the Disney adult humor, where in all of every single, every oh, single there's one scene in Ghostbusters that's oh, not I, Disney. Oh, I know, I, I definitely know. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, rewatching Ghostbusters, I was like, wow, I watched all this stuff when I was a kid, and my parents never took this away yep, from exactly. me. What the hell? <laughs> I mean, but uh, all I have to say is, just, let's think about Who Framed Roger Rabbit for just a second. Oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. I mean, there's a there's a gag that they cut out of that that has not been in, in subsequent releases of that film for a very long time. Yeah. Which is the nice booby trap line, and that has not been in any release, <laughs> right. any release in that's, a long, right. long, long time. Uh, but you know, but as an adult too, rewatching Casper, there's a couple things that I noticed that I kind of put into question as an adult. Uh, first and foremost, we see that you know, we see Bill Pullman on hard copy. There's a nice little blast from the past of hard copy. Yep. Uh, you know, as a ghost psychiatrist, and he sees a ghost for the first time. In Casper, which gives me the thought that he was actually a fraud before that. Well, I mean, never seen a ghost. He's very, he's very focused that his wife is that like, but like, I think, I think the way that he treats it, he treats it seriously and believes that he's convening with things around him that are not actually there. 
and that's what I really I think. Boils okay, so down he's not to. necessarily a fraud, it, but he's getting more of a. He comes off like a charlatan, but right. he's not a charlatan. He he's never actually seen something, but he believes something else is there. Okay. Because like even when he is confronted with them, it's the shock. But then immediately he's just kind of like he does. He kind of steps right into it. Mm-hmm. Like, he, I'm going to be the psychiatrist now. Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's so. I think it's it's a weird kind of twist and take on it. Like you can definitely read into it in multiple ways, but you believe that yeah, the way he's doing it is maybe just not as above water as you think. And I think that's there's a little bit of that, but at the same time, you can kind of understand where he could be coming from. Yeah. So. The other thing I did notice, though, as an adult rewatching the movie, too, is by the end of the movie, uh, yeah, Bill Pullman and Christina Ricci are squatters. Yeah. Because yeah. they do not own that house. <laughs> it belongs to Kerrigan, and Kerrigan is gone. It was never left to them. They are basically squatters in that house Pretty much. by the end of the movie, <laughs> which is a weird thing to think about. Like, they do not have any right to that house or to live there. But, but who's going to stop them? Casper gave them that right. It's his house. Well, I forget. But in the <laughs> eyes of the court, the deed is gone. What was this? Was Maine correct? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we just have to look up squatters' rights in Maine, and really, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. what it boils down to. But I mean, again, who's going to question it? Like everybody knew they moved into that house. Nobody's going to question that they don't really belong there. Oh yeah. So, but it's a weird thought to think about. That, like, wait, they're squatters now. Like they don't belong in that house. There's the fact that nobody else wanted that house. True. So. Carrie didn't even want that house. She was just like, I just want my money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want my treasure. I want my treasure. Um, yeah, but I mean, you know, in addition to obviously Bill Pullman, Christina Ricci, you know, as Kat and Dr. Harvey, and you mentioned Brad Garrett and the other ghosts, uh, there are a number, a huge number of cameos. Oh, you know, before you get into that, okay. why don't you go into, because for some of the people, because I don't know who the person you're talking about, I can't picture the voice actor that you're talking about at all. Brad Garrett? Yeah. Uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. The brother? Uh, He's the brother and Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, yeah. Okay, never mind. Gotcha. But like I said, so... Uh, but you never specified who he played, so uh, he played. Um, he was Fatso, he was but, Fatso, yeah. right? But like, I, it's as you guys were discussing it, never actually mentioned it. And I'm like nope. sitting there doing the mental gymnastics, I'm like, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he plays Fatso. Uh, Joe Nippoli was. Um, I just had it. Uh, was Stretch and Joe Alaski was Stinky. Joe. Uh, oh, Joe Nipple is is the name, not Nippoli. Sorry, um, N I P O T E. Uh, he is the one who actually hasn't done much of anything since Casper. He was known for uh, a bunch of other things. And ever since Casper, he's done a lot of voice work, but mild, a lot of video game stuff okay. uh, since then. Uh, the other one was uh, Joe Alasky, and he has done some more notable work. I, I was going to say that name rings a bell a little bit. Yeah, but he, I mean, and, but he's also another voice person. He voiced Green, Lan- uh, Green Loontern. Uh, in Bat in Lego Batman three, he's done Tom and Jerry Garfield, so he's another pretty big voice actor. Uh, but he's also done some, you know, some other TV series as well. But so yeah, so I mean, it, it's good. Wait a second, hold on. You said Garfield? I got to look up something when we're done because I think my brain just 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 put a connection. Because uh, what are you thinking? Binky the clown? No, it just says he did uh, additional voices. Okay. So I'm wondering if he, I, I wonder if he actually does Binky. That would be hysterical. Because I could hear it in my head. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, but that well, that was also the newer version of Garfield. I'm oh, actually okay. Then probably from not. from 2008. But I'm disappointing. I'm actually going through. I want to see if maybe <laughs> you might possibly be right. Because no, I don't think it is. I think I know the voice on that one. But but he's done the voice of Daffy Duck. He's done the voice of Sylvester Tweety Bird. He's done a lot of Looney Tunes voices. Okay. So yeah, but he's so he's definitely a, he was a seasoned voice actor and still is to yeah. this day. 
So, so you were mentioning cameos, and man, uh, this movie does not waste any time. Like right off the bat, like which is a deep cut, especially to newer people that a lot of folks may just not know, but is uh, old classic SNL characters. Yes, Father <laughs> Father Guido Sarducci coming in, and, and it's no, it's a no problem. <laughs> that's that's why I recognize it. I was like, I'm looking at this, I'm like, why do I know this? Why should I know this? And I don't, Oops. I didn't know it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, actor Don Novello is the one. Don who Novello, did. and that was a character that was like big, like mid late eighties. That was like, I, it was oh, when, Father, Father Guido Sarducci. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a big. It's a big. Because uh, I remember as a kid, like seeing that, and I'm like, I don't, I don't get it, but my parents lost it, and they thought it was the best when that the, the, he showed up in that movie. <laughs> um, well, he's also um, for I know there's a, I know we have a couple fans of Atlantis, uh, the Disney movie Atlantis. He was also a voice in Atlantis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was the voice of Vinny. Mm-hmm. In Disney's Atlantis, so he's he's more. I think he's more known for Father Guido. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it's kind of like if you see the church lady pop up somewhere, and everyone's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, it's a church lady." And we're all always like, "Well, it's Dana Carvey." You know, yeah, it's, yeah. You know, Dana Carvey. He's done a lot more than just just the church lady or and, like and Garth. And right? Like yeah, that, yeah. yeah. But, but even before Father Gu- Father Guido, uh, we get a cameo from Ben Stein. Oh yeah, in the he's beginning like of the movie. Very, he's the will reader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so, it's funny too because I haven't thought about Ben Stein until I've watched this, and I'm like, oh my god! Like I was like, my brain was like. I remember I used to watch a lot of Wynn Benstein's Me too. way yeah. back in the day. <laughs> yeah, I used to watch it all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, but even like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you yeah. can go no, back to, a big, yeah. big, big, to Ben Stein. Yeah, big role. I yeah. love that because it's his, it's his typical character. It's the, yes, I'm mm-hmm. going to speak in this monotone voice <laughs> Knock yourself now. out. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. <laughs> So, but anyway, yeah, there's there's a uh, another small handful of uh, cameos that they kind of throw into one one particular scene, right? Uh, you know, where we we do see the ghosts kind of um, kind of possess Bill Pullman for a yes. second as he's looking in the mirror, and we see the, everything from the Crypt Keeper to Rodney Dangerfield, and then Clint Eastwood and Mel Gibson, and, and oh, that's right, then, yeah. then Mel Gibson as well. That's right. Which it was when it was funny because I wanted to look to see if maybe this was footage that they pulled from other things. Mm-hmm. No, they actually got these actors to film these quick. Yeah, couple seconds. And, and we'll things. save we'll save the last cameo because that's going to be our tie into the yeah, to the correct, next one, obviously. Correct. Yeah. So, um, so we talked about the cameos. We talked about um, you know uh, the the film itself. I wanted, one of the things that made me realize when I watched this was this was actually my first introduction to the word Lazarus because I had never really known I had never heard of the Lazarus pits before from Batman and, and such. Um, so this was my first time ever really hearing that word, which obviously at the time when I heard it, I thought was something original. It was something they made to Gasper. And no, it's been used well Catholic before school Casper. people. Catholic school. Yeah. <laughs> which I wasn't. So, you know, I didn't know about that. I was until I reached the age of reason. Um, <laughs> so, but what are some other things about the movie that kind of stood out to you, to I, you guys? When I, you honestly, I, I really thoroughly think the score is really forgotten about this film. There's some really stunning music in, in Casper. I, I think... Uh, there's a couple more somber pieces that are that are great that I'll go back to and listen to right around this time of the year every year. Um, you know, you hear it play very specifically when we see Devin Sawa and Christina Ricci together when they're kind of during the the party scene. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, near the very end where they're both kind of floating like it, and they have that kind of the the, the romance angle. Uh, but like the music that plays there is really kind of reminiscent of things like Edward Scissorhands and such. Uh, but it's really kind of it's fantastic when you go back through and check it out. Uh, but that's one of my favorites, personally. So I don't know about yeah. any of you guys. Hey, Bill, anything that really stands out from from the movie? I thought it was interesting how they had, like, you know, 
there were multiple angles from multiple kind of, I don't want to say big bads, but, you know, kind of antagonists. Because there was obviously, you know, uh, Carrigan, the, mm-hmm. the the main one. But, you know, uh, Dibs, Eric Idle, was also kind of, you know, was along more, for was the more ride. He was a lackey. But he, he was, was a lackey, yeah. but, you know, he, he tried to get into his own at the end. He was the Iago um, of it all, essentially. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. The, the the three ghosts were also kind of, you know, antagonistic for a while, but then they, they kind of turned around a little bit towards, mm-hmm. you know, halfway through. And then there's all the kids at school, which, you know, kids picking on kids in school, that never gets old. No. I mean, it's it's a standard that's going to go, unfortunately. Hey, you're the new kid. Poke, 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 you know. Yeah. Um, which is great Can't wait for when we talk about Hocus Pocus, because man, oh, man, the bullies <laughs> in that movie are something to behold. <laughs> yes, they are. But with, uh, the, with the three of them, I, you know, I, I thought it was interesting how... I don't want to say it was a complex movie, but it was still a little bit more complicated than, you know, just a standard, hey, here's the thing that's happening, and here's what the, our heroes need to do. Hey, there's a treasure like, in this house. Right. Let's go find it and use these people as the, the focal point to just get the ghosts out so we can take the time we need to rip this place apart and find what we want. But you're right, though. There is a lot more to yeah. just that. It is finding, like... Dr. Harvey finding his wife mm-hmm. was a huge key that, component that we, yep. we, we barely even talked upon. Yeah. Uh, so there's that angle. The whole idea of essentially, you know, Kat and Dr. Harvey both, you know, constantly moving and moving and moving and finally trying to find a place and settle down roots, whether they're squatting or actually purchasing a home <laughs> later. Um, but I think, you know, then you have Casper's complexes that he's dealing with. Yep. You have the Kerrigan of it all. I mean, yeah, you're right. There's a ton there. And then again, that's not even thinking about, I completely almost forgot about the school plot. I was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, that's that's a thing too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there is a lot to it. I, one of the other things too that I thought was a great little twist though was the fact that it was Dr. Harvey. It was the last name because Harvey <laughs> Comics. <laughs> Harvey Comics is oh, where I never picked up on that. Yeah, Casper, I never... Casper and Wendy and all those characters came from. I never so, put that together. So I yeah. thought that was a nice little this little nod there that I picked up when, when I went through this watch. Yeah. So. I, I got to say some of my favorite moments of the movie too, the uh, moments that still make me chuckle are the interactions with cat and the three ghosts, uh, batting back and forth. The insults like drop dead too late. Like the moments, like little things like that were always things that made me laugh. Mm. Um, but the other thing that really stuck out to me too, and it really made me think about it from when I, from when this movie was popular and it first came out, I was midway through high school. I was about a freshman or a sophomore in high school when this movie came out and the whole, can I keep you was something that kids used all the time. It was like a new, little, Oh yeah. It was yeah. like a new little phrase that, Boyfriend said to girlfriends and girlfriends said to boyfriends in high school. It was cutesy high school talk at the time. And now you're like, that's kind of, there's, there's, there's it's multifaceted in all the wrong ways. Let's, yeah. let's, let's, <laughs> yeah. let's not use those phrases ever again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I would also like to add bay to that list though too, so it's fine. Because yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's just, that just, just irritates yeah. me. That's really all it boils down to. But, um, but yeah, no, you're right. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, because that was used all the freaking mm-hmm. time. And I think, you know, too, like for, People like my age, you know, Ben, your age, Bill, you know, we're all right in that kind of same kind of bubble mm-hmm. of, of ages. And I think for a lot of us, though, too, like, you know, for like hetero males like that are in our age bracket that grew up, kind of grew up with like this massive crush on Christina Ricci from like watching her from Adam's family when you're at the exact same age. And then like you continuously watch through her career to like black snake black snake moan now and, and, and you're like and it's like you know it's, it's kind of crazy when you watch that and you're like go back and you watch the movie and you're like 
how old was I during this? And then you're like, watch, you're like, oh, yeah, it was exactly right at that time. Yep. I'm like, because you couldn't remember how that pieced together. Yep. But it's really funny going back and watching those things, like when you were infatuated with an actor, when you were that age at that point in time, and going back and you're kind of like, it's really funny. You're like, because it kind of puts you back in that mindset of like being like, 13, 14 years old, and kind of like, you know, that nostalgia kind of kicks in and kind of rockets you back through the past to present day. But yeah. it, it, it's always interesting to kind of go back to those things, especially. I think, you know, you hear about that all the time with people going through and like listening to a boy band from like when they were growing up and it transports them back at a certain point in time. And it's always done that for me with movies, whether it's been going back and watching Star Wars, like, oh my God, I, I feel like a kid again watching these things. Yeah. And it's kind of fun going back to things like these too, like Adam's Family and all these Halloween movies that we're talking about. But Casper was the one that I'm like, oh my God, I, I feel like I could remember exactly where I was in my life. All those little pieces. Because that, that 1995, like entering junior high, or like high school, like I think, like it, real, like right around where it was. But it's always so funny to kind of go and see where all those pieces line up, and then you kind of just again project yourself forward, and you're like, "What is this person doing now? What is this doing now?" And like you fall down those YouTube holes, and it's always kind of that's why I love doing this show so much. Yeah, that's I've had fun doing it too. It, it, it's it's so much fun to look at all those these pieces. But again, like you know, we talked about um, a couple weeks ago. It was uh, Sleepy Hollow. Mm-hmm. And it was the same thing going to 1999 and looking at all these films. And it's so crazy to kind of see you know, how like these types of films kind of, kind of moved. And it goes from such a really sweet, simplistic story like Casper. And then like you get to like the one that's going to be airing next week, which is The House with the Clock at its Walls. I'm like, this is a really warped and twisted yep. story. <laughs> and it's funny, though, on how much that has changed, though, from like thinking like a simplistic 90s mentality to, you know, almost being at 2020. Um, on how much those kind of ideas can change for a kids' film or a family film. I mean, we're we are throwing a lot at kids and kids kids movies or young adult movies right, nowadays. Yeah. Like, I haven't seen a house with a clock in its walls, but referring to other things like the biggest, you know, probably young adult thing in the last couple of years, um, um, Hunger Games. Like, oh, yeah. that's huge and heavy and young adult all yeah. throughout. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's uh, kids murdering kids. Yep. And you're like, huh. So this is this is different. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's really funny, though, because like it makes me wonder where these types of films are going to be in 10 years. Are we going to go back to a more simplified nature of like something like Casper that's just sweet, cute for like that family film? Or are we going to kind of continue to tilt up because just that's just the world we live in? So I'm kind of curious. So I am, too. Uh, there is kind of a creep factor to Casper. So when... When she well, first arrives in her room and she's like, hey, I found my room. And Casper's like, I've got a girl in my bed. And I'm just like, wait, what? Well, well yeah. because I think Casper is only supposed to be, at the most, a 10-year-old boy who died of pneumonia. And then she become he becomes a real boy and ends up kissing a girl that's probably sophomore in high school. Like, there's a creep factor to that. Where well, she's I mean, like, maybe like 14, 15, well, and well, he's like 9 or 10. Well, I mean, like I said, it's it's interesting, though, too, because the voice for Casper was not Devin Sawa, correct? No, it was not. No. It wasn't. So, but when they actually have a the Devin Sawa version of Casper, you know, they have somebody that's probably about 15 years old, 16 years old, probably about the same age as Christina Ricci around at the, at the time, if memory serves correctly. Yeah, I I, like I said, I, I think, think 14, yeah. 15 was about the age I, of Christina Ricci at the time. Yeah. Maybe even older. She might have been playing younger, but I think the character of Cat was supposed to be like... She was, you know what? She was... I think she was 15 because I think she was 19 or 20 at Sleepy Hollow, which was 1999. Yeah. 
because when uh, we were doing research the other week for that, like I was looking at the age of Johnny Depp and all that, because one of the big things we talked about was like, it's a little weird. Like when you look at the age bracket, bracket from all these people and you're like, huh? Like, well, I mean, I'm looking at it now. The The guy that voiced Casper at the time, to- at the time of Casper was 14. Oh, okay. So, so maybe Casper was older. Maybe I always thought he was supposed to be a boy, not a teen. Like that was always my impression of Casper. But then we also have to think about the intricacies of ghosts and age because think about when, you know, obviously, yes, he died as like maybe like a 10-year-old boy, but how long has he been around since? Well, if that's the case, he's probably much, much older than a 15-year-old. Right. You and know, then it's probably course, like in his 90s at right. that point. And his other three, like, you know, her three, his three ghostly, uh, ghostly roommates that are horrible and terrible and probably taught him many bad things are are the ghosts supposed to be his relatives they're I thought his they were uncles, his uncles his uncles right? i think they're yeah. the uncles so wouldn't it be weird that his uncles also died around the same time he did i mean depending on what it is i mean like consumption tuberculosis things like that they well, ripped through especially Cas- in new england well i know in in in, Cas- in the movie he he died of pneumonia Mm-hmm. So maybe it was at a time when you're right. There well, were no vaccines, and it could have could been, have been could also have been like Spanish flu, something like that, or or whatever. Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. Consumption or, or tuberculosis, right. especially in Maine, like it, yeah. it's kind of funny. You know, like thinking about a lot of these things because like I fall in a deep hole with a show called Lore, mm-hmm. uh, and it, which is an amazing thing where it goes through all these great concepts of you know all these urban legends and such. But like you get into some of these ones, and you forget how much of New England was just ravished by by tuberculosis so like it, it wiped out like large sections of families everywhere from like you know massachusetts up north like i mean not just there but i mean just about everywhere yeah um but there's specifically so i wouldn't be surprised if there was a tie to that but i mean like you know they don't really peel back any of those layers no they, they keep it they keep it kind of vague and it makes me wonder if there's like something in like spirit of beginning if they maybe nod to more of those things in those direct to dvd kind of ideas of, of, of where those characters kind of really kind of came out of so. maybe it might be something interesting to look into yeah to, to see um, but I think that brings us to a good point to mention the final cameo yeah. that we didn't bring up and to lead us into the next movie. And that is uh, we get a cameo of a Mr. Raymond Stance from Ghostbusters running out of the house. Who are you going to call? Somebody, Somebody else. else. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, I mean, it's very clear, too, that, you know, Dan Aykroyd at the time had facial hair when he comes running out of the house. He had a mustache. Mm-hmm. He might have been in the middle of another project at the time that they just had him come in, film this quick cameo. Yeah, and, and run out. And this feels like the last time we saw him in full Ghostbusters regalia on screen. I think it is. Yeah, um, it might not be the last at this point because we do know there is another Ghostbusters film coming. Right, um, and it is a continuation of the 1984 Ghostbusters franchise. So um, it, there's a possibility. We don't know. I mean, obviously, we know they played them in the video game, but uh, I mean, is is. In a live action, a live yeah. action format where we're actually seeing him wear the classic suit with the proton pack, all that jazz. Yeah, I mean, it was fun to see that here, but like, I going back and I completely forgot about that scene, and when I saw it, I'm like, "That's amazing!" Yeah, and like <laughs> so. Uh, but that leads us into Ghost 1984. Well, no, Ghostbusters. We still have to rate this one. Oh, so. that's right. That's right. so. The way we rate stuff on um, Still Afraid of the Dark is a quick, uh, really simple, essentially a thumbs up, thumbs down. It's either a thumbs up, which is a treat. If it's thumbs down, it's a trick. So, Bill, wh- how do you rate Casper today? It's a treat. It's a treat. Definitely a treat. Yep. Um, any specific reasons on why? Do you just think yeah. it's still kind of a lasting film in general? It's a lasting film. It was yeah. it was fun. Yeah. It was enjoyable. I wouldn't watch it every single day, but yeah. for this time of the year, it's it's kind of a great kind of like jump back to kind of getting the Halloween spirit. Thing. Exactly. Yeah. 
Uh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and share that. I'm going to go with a treat. Uh, I forgot how much fun this movie could be, and I, I'm greatly looking forward to kind of going back to this maybe a little bit more frequently in the future. I think this was the first time in about 15 years that I've seen this. Oh, yeah. It's been, um, it's been a couple years. But I think this too. is going to go back into my lineup for Halloween films, you know, kind of going forward again. Yeah. So. It's a treat for me as well. I mean, it's. I think a lot of the movies, for the most part, because we're the ones that picked them to be part of this podcast when it comes to you and I. Most of, most of them are probably going to be treats uh, from us. It's interesting to see our guests because we already know from the first episode, TJ gave Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark a trick because he just, he, he was not crazy about the movie at all. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's funny. It's, we do have to kind of pick some weird ones, I think, now, because now we have to try to make it uh, a little bit more, hey, well, is I this going to be a positive experience for everybody or not? And there are a couple of films that I have not seen in a long, long time that we're going to be rewatching. I mean, we have the Hocus Pocus Witches chapter that's going to be coming up soon, and I haven't seen The Witches in, God, probably like 20 years. I very recently rewatched that, so it's perfect timing, and that's fresh. But uh, you know, before we get into Ghostbusters, I mean, like, we, we can bring it up here real quick before we transition in. Uh, because we haven't really discussed too much of the lineup. Yeah. Um, so I know we've got coming up uh, The Witches, Hocus Pocus. Uh, I think we're going to do Legend and Labyrinth. Legend and Labyrinth is another one. Um, and then I think I know we're also going to be doing an episode with The Corpse Bride and Nightmare, I, Before, Nightmare Christmas. Before Christmas. But I know we have a couple other fun ones in there. I know we're going to like sneak in Coraline and a couple other, other fun yep. ones. And we're, I, I, we have an Adam's Family chapter that we're going to be doing probably yeah. more towards the end yeah. because we're going to be talking about the new film as that releases. Yeah. So like I said, we got a lot of fun stuff still planned. Yeah. But um, why don't we take the time now? Why don't you take us back to 1984? <laughs> To a little town called Manhattan. <laughs> a little town called Manhattan? Uh, yeah, you know, Ivan Reitman directed Ghostbusters from 1984. Uh, there's been a sequel, there's been a spinoff, or not a spinoff, a, a reboot in essence since then. And, and an amazing animated series. Uh, yeah, real Ghostbusters animated series and a, and a video game that is actually being remastered and re-released next month. Uh, in October, which I will be picking up because I actually really enjoyed it the first time around. I have it on backwards compatibility. So, so no, well, the graphics are going to be updated in the new one too. So I'm just gonna, a little bit, not much. Yeah. I saw, I, but I don't still. have it anymore, so I'm still I'm going to buy it again. It's still fun. So. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, do you still have to like walk up the fifty flights of stairs in the new one? Are you thinking of the old oh, like no yeah I'm, the, I'm thinking Master the, System version? I had of the old NES game. Where oh, it, yeah, it was where awful. You, like, you had to move the car along the grid yep. and follow the ghosts, and you had to drive and suck up ghosts for money. Oh my god, there yep. was a, there was a lot of older Ghostbusters games because there was Ghostbusters one and two from NES. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was the Ghostbusters from Sega Master System, which was different than the others. Uh, and then uh, yeah, now again, then we essentially have Ghostbusters three, which is from the PC 360 yeah. PS3 generation. Also on the Wii, which was a very different game on the Wii, so which is very cool. Yeah. Uh, cuz it's got a cartoon look to it, which is mm-hmm. very different. So But I mean, you go back to, you know, you go back to this film and obviously you have uh Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Howard Ramis, who unfortunately passed away, uh and Ernie Hudson. And you know, it makes me wonder watching this movie if these guys knew what this was going to create when they made this movie. Or if this was just a movie they thought looked like a lot of fun to make, and they made it not realizing what it was going to become. Because this movie has become something that lives and will forever live in pop culture. I mean, there are people that have Ghostbusters clubs out there. You know, the video games. You had uh, Wizard World just did a big Ghostbusters reunion, because you're talking about a movie that's 35 years old. You know, so, and they had a reunion, well, with Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hudson. Bill Murray kind of does his own thing at this point. 
So because he can, because he can. <laughs> I mean, he literally has no agent. Yeah, he has a phone number that you call to pitch a project, and if when he listens to the voicemail, if he likes your project, he will call you back. Uh, and he's a party crasher, which I love. Like just seeing him pop up in different people's po- pictures around. It's still around an the amazing, amazing documentary. Yes, it is. <laughs> what is it called again? I forget. Oh, I would have to look it up. So yeah, um, but yeah, no, it's it, it, it's. It's it's such an amazing cast that I don't think could ever be replicated because then not only just the main core members you've got Rick Moranis, Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver, Weaver, Annie Potts. It's 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 it, they pulled all the right people all at the right times of their careers and just and everyone just gave such awesome performances like they were so much fun. Everybody you knew that was there, you could imagine the the, the amount of time behind the sets of them just enjoying each other's company probably was just. Exceptional, and you got to look at it too. That the chemistry between all these characters, with the exception of maybe Ernie Hudson, I think he was relatively new to that group. The chemistry that exists between them was already there. Which with Ernie Hudson, that was fine because it was just like, hey, I'm just here, I'm just doing a job. Like it was the perfect kind of chemistry for for his character, his character. Yeah, yeah, because you had uh, Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd had already worked on SNL together. Uh, Bill Murray and Harold Ramis had done movies like Stripes and everything well. And they were great this. friends, you yeah. Know, uh, you know, before you know they had a big falling out many, many years later. But um, yeah, it was it was very interesting, kind of watching all those pieces together. It, yeah. It was, but you know, it, it, it always I always felt bad though. I don't know if it was anybody else here, but like I loved Winston's character, and he always felt like he got the shaft in everything. Well, he even <laughs> he even says that at one point in the movie. He's like, "This is not worth eleven grand a year." Like, yeah. <laughs> and you think about that, and you're like. 11 grand, like, well, it was 1984. That's probably pretty equivalent. But when you also look at that, too, you look at when, when Ray pulls up in the ambulance and he's like, only cost me 4600 And I'm like, I wouldn't pay $4,600 for that car now. I can't. I, have it. I can't. Have, well, <laughs> okay. Well, when you look at the car itself and what it means to pop culture, <laughs> yeah. yes, you would. But if you found a car that was in that bad a condition, you wouldn't pay forty six hundred dollars for it. So I can't even imagine paying forty six hundred dollars for for it then, which was even more expensive. But I, I just feel like no. I, I think you know, like I said before, we get into more of this the traditional part. Like the reason why I kind of mean it though too is not even just like what he's being paid, but like you think about even like when we get to Ghostbusters two, it opens up with him basically being essentially a party clown. Wait, what, what, what's going on? <laughs> Eleven thousand. Eleven thousand back in nineteen eighty four would only be twenty seven thousand nowadays. So yeah, it was a really shit pay. He got he yeah, yeah. That's he got the shaft. <laughs> he needed he needed that job. Yes. He um, did. But like, you know, like I said, what I kinda mean about it is like you kinda kick off like you know, post Ghostbusters one into Ghostbusters two, is you know he's essentially a party clown. Yeah, <laughs> but like then it gets to court and you're like, nope, Winston's not important. We're just gonna keep him cut out of the entire courtroom scene. I'm like, he was involved in that as well. Yes, he was. <laughs> he was complacent. How did he get out of this? <laughs> yeah, I was like, seriously. But it felt like it was like, eh, we can just skip over Ernie Hudson's role. I'm like, that's I feel bad. Yeah, and I'm like, come on, man, he's part of the team. Yeah. So, but you know, like I said, he does come into the, the picture though, very very late into the first film like it's probably about a good like hour halfway, in. yeah i think yeah. about halfway in yeah. he's when halfway he marker. comes in yeah but he also gives us the the start of some of the best sequences of that 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 movie though too. <laughs> if there's a steady paycheck in it i believe anything, anything you say, say. <laughs> but like I, you know the clip that we used in the start of this is the conversation in the car between him and ray the twinkie the, well, well the, that wasn't in the car that was in the basement because because um oh yeah yeah because uh, spangler was part of that too oh, spangler yeah. was the one that was actually talking about the twinkie yeah well, well, it's well that comes up again. It initially, comes up in the conversation when they're in the vehicle. When no, they're, they're talking about Judgment Day. In yeah. that, 
Oh, okay. That, there's right. no that's Twinkie. Right. The Twinkie's only in the basement that's of the, right. the firehouse. That's right. I, I'm, I'm, my brain's yeah. meshing them together. That's right. So Yeah. Well, one of the interesting things I, I, I really I love about this movie is, you know, we were obviously kids when this movie came out. I was five years old. So, you know, we already had movies like Star Wars and, and a couple other franchises out at this point. And when you watch movies like that as a kid, you know, you know because Star Wars is in space. It's something that doesn't exist. But you, there's still a part of you as a kid's like, oh, I would love to be a Jedi. But you know it can never happen. Ghostbusters for me was one of the first times in my life that seemed real. Like it was set, these were real people. It was set in a real city. And it made you believe that ghosts really existed. So for the first time in my life, I remember saying, I want to be a Ghostbuster. And actually believing I could be a Ghostbuster at one time. So that was a big thing when it came to being a kid was, yes, Star Wars was fun, Transformers was fun, but these were things that could tangibly never be real. Ghostbusters was the first time in my life I felt like something could be real, even though obviously it, it couldn't. It still made me believe that I could for the first time in my life. Yeah, for me, it has always just made me want marshmallows. That's, that's... Well, that's it. <laughs> yep. So um, on that note, I want to bring up something real quick because this is what we were talking about when we were prepping that yep. I noticed something in this film that I've never noticed before. And it could be something me totally overanalyzing this. Uh, but there's a Lewis Tully moment when you first meet Lewis Tully as the, as the, um, the key master and Raymond Stance takes him into the basement and he's analyzing him and he starts telling about the previous incarnations of Gozer. And he says, Tor was one of them. The next one was slower. The third one is a s'more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about it that much. It stays with the rhyming scheme, but it's marshmallow. He was, it was a tour, a slower, and a s'more. Because <laughs> it's melted marshmallow. There's no chocolate and graham cracker, obviously. But it still can be related. So, that's an overanalyzation. It hardcore. is an overanalyzation. <laughs> yeah. no, exactly. no, no lie about it. That's, that's overanalyzing It things. still makes me chuckle, though, thinking okay, about it's, it. It's a, it's, a great, it's a great gag, yeah. but I can definitely... Yep, that's an overanalyzation. Okay, all right. Figured as much. <laughs> uh, yes, have some. Yeah. <laughs> yes, have some. <laughs> so I think one of the biggest things I picked up from this rewatch of Ghostbusters is... A, I, I feel it's weird... I almost feel like there's a character flaw. Like they started writing the movie one way and righted, uh, wrote, righted. Wow. Um, <laughs> Too much okay. cooler. Wrote, uh, why can't I think of the character's name? Uh, Venkman. Mm -hmm. His character, super con artist, like oh, yeah. sleazy. Like I was rewatching, you know, watching that scene where he's got the the two, you know, students doing the the study, uh -huh. and you know, with shocking the one guy, even though he gets it right that one time, and you know, just giving it to the girl every time, you know, she gets one wrong, and and it's just like, wow, he's really he's really you know putting it on hard here. Yeah, and then when they pull him pull him out of that and they go to the library. It's like they're dragging him along like he doesn't really believe it himself. And then after the library, he does a complete 180 and says, we need to be Ghostbusters. Here's what we need to do. You know, Ray, you need to you need to go mortgage your house, get a third mortgage on your house. I, I thought it was interesting actually analyzing it this time saying, why did he have that change of heart? Oh, he didn't. It's a get rich quick scheme. He's still a sleazy person. Oh yeah, I mean it, it becomes it. It's like how do we leverage this to make money? Mm -hmm. And you look at the hotel, and that's what it is. Okay, and and after at the Sedgwick Hotel, when he's billing the hotel, that's true. Yep. he's still adding more. But the best thing about it is that Ray's playing along. 
like whether Ray wants to make money too. Like he, obviously he wants Ray's to make money too. Ray's is kind of like I just leveraged my family's farm. Right. We're yeah. in trouble. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> He's like yes. You know, proton recharging. We're going to do a special this month. But, you know, <laughs> but going along with the whole Venkman sleaze aspect of it, too. Like, there's the moment with when Dana Barrett is already possessed by the gatekeeper. And, you know, like, he has an opportunity to take advantage of her. And he doesn't do it. Like, he says, like, no. He's like, maybe I, no, I shouldn't. And he, like, he's like, I want to talk to Dana. He but realizes you know, that something's wrong. But you know what, though? Ultimately... That was a fine line, though, because, like, you think of some of the other movies from this timeline, and Animal House was only a couple years beforehand, yep, yeah. and they did go for that, and you're like, oh, you watch that but now, and you're like, they if, really built up the uh, the idea of of, of, of uh, drunken molestation. I, I mean, and they, they pulled away from it the last minute, but you're like... Uh, well, there's that moment, yeah. like, you know, when he says, like, I want to talk to Dana, and he's, and you're like, okay, maybe he's not a big as sleaze as we make him out to be. And then there's the next scene where he's got her drugged, and she's sitting there, and he's kissing her hand, and he's kissing her shoulder. It's like, no, wait, he's still a little bit of a sleaze. Like, he's kissing her when she's unaware of it, and she's possessed. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just weird. So, but, I mean... It, there definitely was a little bit of that aspect of Aikman's character. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I said, stand-up guy, but at the same time, though, too, also not a stand-up guy. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> there's, there's a fine line. There's that fine line. You know what? Like I said, we again, this is going to go back to the previous episode with the Sleepy Hollow stuff. We, we talked about Brom Bones. Yeah. In um, the classic 1949 where it was, you know, it was good-natured ribbing and mischief, but still was there to defend the people and his friends and family. That's what Venkman is. He's the same kind of idea and concept. He is a very playful, playful little scamp in New York, but he does have still, he has a, he has a line. He, they make sure he never is an irredeemable character. Like, That's true. Yep. You know, they make sure you can connect with him, but it's also the same idea of like, you think about like, that's a weird kind of correlation to bring up, but we think like Fight Club. It's that Howard Durden, I'm everything you want to be. You know, this is the way you want to talk, things like that. Mm -hmm. It's what, you know, you look at Venkman and that's who everybody glued to usually for the most part as kids. Like, it was like, he's the really fun one. Like, he's the goofy one. He's the one that makes you laugh. He's just oozing with self-confidence. When you're older, you're like, oh, wow, yeah, this is, this is scheme after scheme after scheme. But still at the same time, though, he's still not a bad person. Yeah. You know? But there's, I mean, like, even when Dana Barrett first comes into the firehouse and, like, he's in his office in the back and the moment he hears a woman, he pops up literally like a gopher. Like, you can see his head pop up in the back to see who it is and makes his way out, you know? And it's just... And I I've also found it interesting, too, this is kind of changing the topic a little bit, that they teased a little bit of not necessarily a romantic, but a crush aspect in Janine and Spangler, in which... Completely gets thrown away in the second film mm -hmm. because Lewis is brought into the picture, and there's the romantic element between the two of them, which I think actually worked better. I agree than her and Spangler. I mean, Spangler is is married to his work. I was gonna like, say he he he's asexual. Yeah. Like, I, I, this just feels the way it is. I mean, we can get to the new movie and find out that that is not the case whatsoever, mm -hmm. um, because I know there's a lot of current thoughts about you know some of this could be revolving around family. Yeah, uh, some of some of their family. So. Well, we actually, just, I think, also just found out on who Paul Rudd's playing in the new movie, though, too. Did we? Yeah. Yeah, it was just announced. We'll get into that in, your, in, in a moment or two. Okay. But, um, so, I got to ask, who was everybody's favorite ghost in, in this? Oh. Because every, everybody's got a favorite. Uh, it's Slimer. Slimer? Hands down. Okay. It's always been Slimer. That's a tough call for me. Because, I mean, Slimer is obviously the go-to. Because I think he's the one that's most, dis I think he's the one that's most distinguished. 
um, and more established than anybody else. I mean, you can go with the Library Ghost 2 because it's the first one that you see. However, if you count Stay Puff, I'd go with Stay Puff as my favorite. There was the one that always was, I think, one of my favorites, which was because it was the creepiest, which was the cabbie. I don't know if, like, <laughs> yeah, when, yeah. like, the, you know, everything starts going completely just in the wrong direction, and you see, like, everything starting to, like, impact the city as a whole. Like, that was the one that was not a ghost. It was a tangible, like, corpse driving, like, this old cab in your life. And it creeped me the hell out as a kid, but I, I love that design. It was so perfect. Yeah. Um, but there were so many fun ones, though. I just, I just, I love the design of so many. But it's, um, I can never remember the name of the song, but it's when the the building, the top of the building explodes, um, and it, that song kind of kicks in. Oh, magic, magic. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it is had this beautiful, creepy factor yeah. to it, and it still gets under my skin. That's a, little a well-known bit. artist too, and I'm, I'm, it I'm is, gonna look it, is, it up it while you're. Uh... Um, but yeah, it's it's. You know, the way that that whole thing sounds, but even just the architecture that you see from the city, the buildings, and like whenever you see those buildings in real life, you're like, that's the Ghostbusters building. Mm-hmm. I was like, I know that. And like, the, whether it's like, you know, Hook and Ladder number nine that was in New Jersey, um, or it, it was Hook and Ladder nine, right? Yes, Hook and Ladder nine, nine. which uh, is an actual location yeah. in New York. Yep. No, it's, uh, it's New Jersey. Is it in New Jersey? It's, okay. It, that actual one is in New Jersey. Um, Are you sure? I could have swore it was in right a- over, right over the line, right okay. over the line. Um, and then in addition to, um, oh my God, the apartment building, uh, the apartment building mm-hmm. has shown up in so many things, um, that you will constantly see that. Um, and it's, it's one of my favorites. So like when you see those things are really iconic that like play a part in your childhood, like we were talking before, it kind of transports you back to that. And you're like, oh my God, this skyline of New York from the mid mid eighties. But this was also that mid-80s New York that was that dirty, oh, yeah. terrifying, murdery place <laughs> versus the tourist trap that we kind of view it a little bit more now. Um, but, you know, it was, it was was that was the scary New York. It was really interesting kind of going back to it because when you look at it, it is very, very different. Hook and Ladder number eight. Number eight. Number eight. Uh, it is on Varick Street in Tribeca. It is in Manhattan. Oh, it is? Yes. I thought so because okay. I, when Paul Rudd announced that he was going to be part of Ghostbusters, that was how he did it. Oh, he did a gotcha, video gotcha, from gotcha. in front of Hook and Ladder number eight. Gotcha. That was how he revealed he was going to be part of the new Ghostbusters. Gotcha. Try to remember that. I think there was a location maybe from Jersey. That I think there is. Shooting. But yeah, but Hook and okay. Ladder number eight, which they use for Maybe it was a shooting location. That might maybe. be what I'm thinking. But I'm yeah. not, I could be wrong. It could, it could have been the interiors maybe that they filmed in a maybe. firehouse. Maybe. maybe. Yeah. yeah. Because Hook and Ladder number eight is an active firehouse. Yeah. So they might have only done the exteriors from there, and the interiors were done in another location. Yeah. No idea. So, um, yeah. Well, I mean, you know what? I want to. It's an interesting question only because I don't really know if there's many options. I was going to say, like, what would be your favorite piece of equipment that they used? But there's really only three there's Ecto 1, there's the trap, and there's the proton pack. It wasn't until Ghostbusters two that they introduced new. Well, the PKE stuff. meter was in that's the first true, one. yeah. And yep. then like Ray, Ray's weird little goggles that we never quite knew what the hell they did. They just looked neat. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's um, true. And then like going into the next film, really, it's just the slime guns. That the slime guns, yeah. New, it's not until the the Ghostbusters reboot that they really introduce some new, new ideas. Some new ideas, yeah, like the shredder and some other some other things. And there, there was Venkman's like atomizer type thing where he's just like. <laughs> He's like, are you using that right? <laughs> Which I think to me just kind of looked like a, a bug spray right. sprayer that right. he was just, there was no spray in it. It was just air yeah. that he was putting through. 
So, which goes into the whole con artist element of vacant. He wanted to look like he knew what he was doing. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Which, because I don't think he kind of believed at that point. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. go to Dana's apartment and check her out. Yeah. Check out Dana's apartment. Check out Dana's apartment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I thought the best piece of technology in this one was the, um, God, the ghost, the ghost vault. What, what am I? The containment, the containment, the containment, containment unit. Yeah. 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 I mean, that was amazing because it was like, you know, uh, Ray was just like, okay, you put your trap in, you make sure your field is set, like, and he's going through all this stuff. Light and is green, just, screen, the trap is clean. clean. Right. Yeah. But Winston's just standing here, and I'm just thinking, I'm like, putting myself in his head, like, he's not understanding a word <laughs> no, of this. I'm already lost. <laughs> I'm already lost after the second button. Uh, I think that brings me to another point. We talked a little bit about this with Casper and the special effects as to whether or not they hold up. This is a movie, obviously, from 1984, and with the exception of the ghosts and the equipment, there's really not a lot of overdone special effects. No. Do we feel like the movie could still technically hold up a little bit? Yeah. Because I, I kind of believe yep. it does. I mean, yeah. I think, honestly, whenever you do films like this nowadays, you do remasters, one of the big things that is the most common giveaways, and um, one that I can't unsee, is watching um, Empire Strikes Back. Uh, uh, one of the things that's mostly done when you do blue screen and things like this, where you have maquettes, which is like for things like Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, mm. when you have like the 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 minions goes are like the dogs and stuff like that, like you know you have this stop motion work that's being done that's blue screened in ultimately, or overlaid. Um, when you usually do that, you have a matte line around them. You have this thick black line that kind of gives this this cartoony appearance, or if it's shot in a different tone, you get um, kind of like this this noise to the image that's overlaid on something else, so it stands out when it's not the same thing. Um, when you go back and get a chance to edit those, you're actually editing two different pieces, and you're, uh, two parts of a composite. So it's it's nowadays it's a lot easier for them to go back, and when they say, hey, we're going to do a 4K remaster or a re-release, that they can go back and look at those pieces and find ways to clean those lines up. And I think with practical effects, it's a lot easier. It's not like you're going back and like, oh, oh crap, you know, like we we're talking about remastering Star Wars Episode One, which I'm sure they're going to do eventually. But like then you have to look at, well, do we go back and fix all the CG that looks dated for the time? Whereas something like this, it's all practical. And I think it's a lot easier to have something that's practical effects last a hell of a lot longer. Um, where you can do cleanup, you can do color corrections and things like that. But I think even if you don't do that, you slap this into it, whether it's a DVD, you watch it on streaming, it still looks like a great movie today. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. dated. Like, you can definitely tell it's dated. You know it's a slice of the 80s. I mean, yeah. New York does not look like that anymore. Like, but, I mean, you look at the comparisons from the old, from the original Ghostbusters 84 to the new reboot with the girls, and the proton packs haven't changed much. The look of the proton pack has looked, but the effects of the actual stream really isn't much different than what they used in 84. Because it would be hell to pay. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, that, yeah, yeah, that too. There was already hell to pay with that movie, and yeah. they would have just made it worse. But I mean, I, I think though too, like you, you know, we we talk about the reboot, and I think I don't know what everybody's stance is. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the reboot. I did too. I, did too. I, I yeah. really enjoyed um, the reboot. I mean, I wouldn't put it in the same level as a classic, but like I still think it's a fun movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, the way that it boils down to, though, in the grand scheme of things, is like when you have those CG ghosts, they just didn't feel the same. It just didn't. Something about it just didn't connect in the same way. Like I know you're still acting to nothing, like the way that they shot the original. But even just the look of it, it just was like, well, it's just another CG fest. This was kind of like, okay, that's something that they shot and then like made it translucent over and like imposed it on this. Mm-hmm. But something about it felt more real. And I, I think that's really what it was for me. It just felt, it like, like you put it, 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 you, it made it feel like ghosts were real. Where ghosts, the new Ghostbusters was like, was like, nope, 
ghosts are CG creatures. It was mm-hmm. a car- it was cartoony. It yeah, was more I, I cartoony. think that's what it is. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Um, going back to what you mentioned about the containment unit too, and I know we're kind of branching off now into like the the animated series and the reboots. One of the one of the things I loved about the animated series was we actually got to see inside the containment unit. Ooh. Do you not remember no, that? No, I don't. Oh, I totally no. do. Yeah, that. you got to see the, the world inside the containment unit and where these ghosts were existing. And I think there were even moments where the Ghostbusters went into the containment unit. I believe so. And one of my other favorite, uh, I know Slimer did. Um, but maybe like, that's what it was. Ghostbusters also is my first introduction to Miskatonic University in Cthulhu, <laughs> also because of the real Ghostbusters animated series, mm-hmm. which is crazy to think about mm-hmm. and it's a little messed up <laughs> I mean, it's, but it's kind of cool that they they were really like they were a great entry point but one of the things i think that's fantastic is well one of the people that's been responsible for ghostbusters for so long mr ray stance himself you know is you was a big believer like he actually does he believes in the occult he, yeah he, he's like you know he has he has a vodka company that he named crystal head for a reason because of like legends and lore and all this stuff like you know he really believes all, all of this stuff so they they really put some care into some of the the, the lines and the background and history to the things they're talking about. Well, so it well, gives even, it a realistic feel. And even in Ghostbusters 2, like you see he has an, an occult shop, right? Raise a cult, yeah. Yeah. Which I think in real life he actually does have a shop. Mm-hmm. I, I would not be surprised. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he does. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe he does. It's the very first Jay and Silent Bob secret stash, essentially. Yeah, a little bit. If you yeah. kind of think about it in a way, yeah. Yeah. So what are some other elements of the movie of the original that maybe we haven't touched on? That um, you guys want to honestly, there about. are some horrifying moments in that film, uh, especially for our very young eyes. Like I think when Dana gets taken in her apartment, yeah, is mm-hmm. a messed up scene. Well, um, it's 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 interesting that the movie itself, like it sets itself up as a comedy with some of the stuff that we're getting, but at a certain point, there's like a switch that's flipped and it goes serious for a while. When when the ghosts are really starting to come out, well, even in the beginning though, like even the librarian, the librarian scene in the yeah. beginning really had that serious tone, and then they switched off to the the more comedy aspects until you know like the, like the Dana scene and then the Tully scene, kind of where he's outside the restaurant. Yeah, um, there's a bear in my apartment. But then you know then it, <laughs> it still goes back to a little bit you know comedy here and there until Peck shuts off the containment, and unit. then it goes. And then it's real dark and real serious yeah. until I mean, until they get up to the roof. Yeah. When yeah when when the contain yeah when when the containment unit blows. You're right. It is this massive tonal shift in the movie. It goes from comedy to a very dark comedy really mm-hmm. quickly, and then the comedy kicks back in when they're like, okay, we're gonna go mount our our fight back moment. But like yeah, you you have the streets get ripped apart like. The earthquakes kind of start kicking, like they 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 bring up the idea of revelations essentially, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. like boom, here it is, here's that moment, and then the moment that there's a giant Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, we know right. what movie we're still in. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. We're reminded where we are. Right. Uh, but you know, on top of that too, we t- we talked about how there are definitely adult humor moments in this movie too. We watched it as kids, <laughs> and the one that sticks out to me the most is. Is Ray's dream. Remember, family-friendly <laughs> podcast. Yes, Ray, is, and that's why I said Ray's dream. Yes, Ray has a adult dream about a ghost performing on him. You know, and that's the cleanest yeah. I can put it. 
I, I could say two other words, but yeah, let's, we're not going to go with that. Yeah, I yeah. mean, and, and that's that's another one of those moments that you mentioned, like when you're watching as a kid, they don't show enough of that to make you question it. They just, as kids, we kind of just glance over that. Yep. We don't really think about what's happening. And it's not until we hit a certain age and we go back and rewatch it, we're like, Wait a minute. Well, apparently, that I think that scene was originally going to be longer, too. Like really? Memory serves correctly from some things about that. And I think they actually chose to keep it cut down. Oh. So I don't know if they ended up shooting more or or what, but I don't know. But you're, but it is. It's a moment of revelation when you finally get a little older and you go back and you rewatch that movie, come to that scene, you're like, wait, what? <laughs> that happened? <laughs> I don't remember that as a kid. And you get, you realize what's happening in that scene. So yeah. uh, I think the other biggest thing is I think this movie also made every kid in the universe want a fire pole in their house. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um yeah. because let's be honest, man, the firehouse was one of the coolest, like, you know, places to live ever. When you and I owned it. it. I owned the toy when I, I was did a kid. Too. Yeah. I owned the firehouse, I owned the Ecto. And that containment unit toy was so freaking cool yep. too, which was it was just freaking awesome. I Love had that. the proton pack with the little crank on the side oh, that yeah. made the that made the proton <laughs> Same here. that made the the beam spin. <laughs> the trap that actually had a foot pedal that you pushed and it opened up. I had them all. Yeah. Because I wanted to be a Ghostbuster. And that One was of my favorites movie. was um, you know, um, honestly, Universal Studios when it first opened up in Florida. They had, I think it was, I don't know if it was when it first opened or shortly right after, but they had the Ghostbusters stunt show, which they actually did uh, like this great live action show with Gozer, with the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, Slimer, all this stuff. And it was exceptional. And I remember because like you got to basically, you know, they still have the facade there of Hook and Ladder number eight. Currently, the Rip Rocket roller coaster is going through the top of it. It goes through the opening section, and that's where where part of it is. But it was it, they had the New York Public Library, all this stuff, which was where like the Beetlejuice Graveyard Review, all that stuff used to be at. But like, it was living Ghostbusters. It was really just I think the closest you could get to that now, which is kind of fun because Halloween Horror Nights Universal right now they brought Ghostbusters back as one of their mazes this year. And everybody's saying it is phenomenal. And they said it is so just incredibly spot on. And it's so much fun to think about a movie from 1984 has endured this much to the point where people are really excited about, you know, a, a fourth film, a third one in this original franchise. Mm-hmm. It's now, again, being celebrated again in these ways, like Halloween Horror Nights, a remaster of a video game coming out. Um, you know, I'm sure it won't be long before we'll see another new animated series. There's a phone game out there that kind of jumped off the idea of Pokemon Go, all these things back. But nobody would have, I think, ever anticipated this. And think about how much love it got again, though, too, even like Stranger Things Season 2. Mm-hmm. That was the big yeah. hit thing for the kids in that. Was, and they were all the same character. Yeah. <laughs> I think they were all, they were all Venkman, weren't they? Well, two of them were Venkman, because Lucas, Lucas and I think and Dustin both had the Venkman pack. That's right, yeah. And Lucas <laughs> was like... I'm not going to be Winston just because I'm black. <laughs> it's like kind of like... Yeah. Yeah. What else? I mean, when it comes to that, like obviously you mentioned the video game and the new anime, if right. there's a new animated series. Is there anything else you would like to see Ghostbusters kind of be a part of? Because I know personally, I'd love to see a VR game. Well, there is a VR thing. Oh, there, there is. There is a VR thing that's in Madden Tussauds in New York. Uh, and that's the, one of those ones that is one of those super over-the-top experiences where it's like 40 or $50 a person. Uh, you have a backpack that is actually housing a small computer that you have your VR rig in, but it's, I think it's like a 10 or 15 minute experience where it is room scale VR, where you're walking around a room with 
items that are not really anything spe special, but you're seeing them through the VR lens, and they look like more realistic things. So you get out to points where you're shimmying across, I think, like a, a window ledge um, that makes you feel like you're like on a 40th floor of a high-rise in Manhattan fighting ghosts. And I would I would pay $40 to mm -hmm. do that. I would try mm -hmm. that to get to be a Ghostbuster for 15 there's, minutes. Uh, there's a Star Wars one, I think, too. Uh, I don't know if they're doing that at the Madame Tussauds there as well, but um, I do know the Ghostbusters one was going on for some time. But uh, yeah, I, I forget the name of the company. I think it's... Um, Kenny talked about it a couple episodes ago. It's on the theme park um, episode of Caffeine Crew where we talk about that in Interactive Geek Experiences, but he brings up the name of the company and, and such. But everybody says it's supposed to be an amazing, amazing kind of like, you know concept, but I would love to see something like that. That'd be cool, yeah. Bill, anything you can think of that you I, maybe want to see it incorporated into? Yeah, I, I'd, I'd always go back to, you know, why don't we see a Ghostbusters MMO where you have to build up your own like Ghostbuster company and then, you know, hire That'd people. That'd be kind of cool. I mean, it would be kind of more like a simulation game. Actually, that would be a great idea, a simulation game. So like SimCity, but Ghostbusters. Yeah, that could work too. Yeah. Build up your franchise. Right. Build up your franchise. You know, station people for different areas of the city to make sure that they're capturing ghosts there. Mm -hmm. You know, deal with your budget to make sure your containment grid can get upgraded so you don't blow up part of the city. <laughs> That's, it's kind of similar to the Jurassic World game that came out where you build your own park. Which, is actually, really, which is actually incredibly good. It is a really good game. Um, because it was also made by the people that, oh, you know, have the guys that do Planet Coaster make that game. Because, yeah, it's that's freaking awesome. I would love it. You either could work with or pay off the EPA. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bring in Gregory Peck. Gre I not Gregory Peck. Not Gregory Peck. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, Peck. wait a second. Ed? Wrong. Ed. Is it Ed, Ed Peck? Peck? Walter Peck. Walter, Walter Peck. Walter, Walter Peck. Peck. That's right. Gregory Peck is yeah, a completely um, different person. Yeah. <laughs> Will, uh, William Atherton. Yes. Who played that yeah. character. Absolutely. Yeah. And played it beautifully Amazingly, as a dick. Yeah. yeah. I love the fact that he comes back in the video game too, yep. in the the basically essentially Ghostbusters three. Yeah, the fact that they brought him in was just amazing. And then you know what? And that was really the one thing that sold me on that video game too was when they said like this is basically what we had for Ghostbusters three. We're just making it a video game, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm in. Like that that's enough for me. You know, you're a new trainee and you're going through, and it revisits a lot of that from the original '84 Ghostbusters, and and I loved it. I thought I can't wait to play it again. Yeah. I'm really going to get my hands on it. It's yeah. fun. Yeah. It's super fun. It plays a little weird. Not going to lie. The controls are a little funky. Well, I think they did a lot of correcting of that in the remaster too. Hopefully. So, yeah. So, so we'll it, see. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then again, there's the second movie too, which is just awesome. But I mean, like, so we don't really have time to kind of get into it. Like I said, we're already a little over. But I, I enjoyed the second movie. It's a fun mm -hmm. flick. Yeah. I mean, Statue of Liberty walking through New York is always fun. Yeah, especially with an NES Advantage controller using to control it, <laughs> yes. which was kind of amazing. Exactly. And that was but not one, but two references to the NES in that film, because that was that was Lewis's big move with uh, with Janine, who's, do you want to stay in tonight and just play Mario Brothers? That's, that's right. I forgot so. about that. Um, so I, mean, I guess before, well, we got to give it a ranking, yep. obviously, uh, and we'll turn it over to Bill for that, too. Trick or treat. I think I know it, where, we, where we all stand with it's, this. It's a treat. It's definitely a treat. Yeah. High treat for me as well. Uh, it is a trick. I thought ghosts were real. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, definitely a treat. It's it's still one of my absolute favorite movies. And it's not just a Halloween movie for me. That is a, hey, I really just want a good laugh and enjoy enjoy watching a movie. And yeah. anytime, I, I, I will happily throw that in. That was one of those VHS tapes when I was growing up. If it was not Star Wars, Indiana Jones, it or like it was probably Ghostbusters. So it, yeah. was, it was my, my go-to. So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and even Ghostbusters 2... I'll still, I'll still go back. Dude, and Ghostbusters Two is a creepy movie. 
but it's but it's fun. Oh yeah, but I'm saying it's it's a it's a creepy movie. But we'll save that for maybe next year. Yeah, yeah, maybe. So. Um, I guess to kind of wrap things off, any other like ghost movies you guys can think of that kind of stand the test of time and that were, were like favorites of yours? You know, I would actually say for me, I, I'm it, it's a gimme, but I'm gonna say go if you haven't given it a chance, go watch Ghostbusters the reboot. Yeah, I think it's really a different film, um, but there's a lot of love to the property, and I think it's well worth your time. So, so I'm not I'm gonna go off and and not go family friendly here. But yeah, it doesn't have thir- to be family friendly. Yeah, Thirteen Ghosts is another good oh, one. Uh, amazing, and I you know I I've only seen it a handful of times. Matthew Lillard's a rock star in that. Movie. Matthew I Lillard, love him in that. Um, Tony Shalhoub. Like I think uh, Shannon Elizabeth yep. is in that as well. It's uh, it's it's frightening. Like it's actually a it's a scary movie that I will watch. Yeah, and, and that's saying something. Um, oh, actually, I do have another one that it borderlines on family friendly. Oh, the one I have, I don't think is family friendly at all. Um, it, and mine is the Frighteners. I was gonna say the Frighteners, okay. and I said I was like, it's like it borderlines because yeah. for the it's it's not vicious, but I will say the Frighteners is a great is a great wonderful like. New, you know, like young adult, probably like if you're like maybe ballpark, say like 13, 14 years yep. old, it's like a perfect and early Peter Jackson, yeah, yeah, which is great, yeah. So, Frighteners would be mine too. Uh, Six Sense would be another one, a little bit, but that's more, I don't think there's anything that's more creepy than anything else, I think. I guess so, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I think that's it. Yeah, for, yeah. For this one, I think so. I think I think we're wrapped up, and we went a little longer than we anticipated. But like, I said, right, yeah. yeah, we're good. We were talking about two good ones, so yeah. I think we out. also got went off on some tangents too. So <laughs> yeah, which fine. I knew was going to happen. I mean, oh, yeah, you, when yeah. you're talking about a franchise like Ghostbusters, it's it's bound to happen because mm-hmm. we're concentrating on one movie, but there's so much out there mm-hmm. that you can touch on. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, well, um, you know, before we get out of here, uh, big special thanks to our good friends at This Way to the Egress. Um, so like I said, you get to hear their music at the start and stop of this. And so big uh, special thanks to Sarah and Taylor and the rest of the band over there. Please head over to www.thiswaytotheegress. That's E-G-R-E-S-S dot com. You can check out all of their projects they're currently working on. You can visit their merch store or join up with their Patreon to get some really cool things that they're doing currently between now through October. Um, But as always, Bill, special thanks to you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And uh, with that, we'll be back next week for something completely different. Are we not going to plug our website at all? You can. (laughs) Uh, I'll just do it real quick. TheNextLevelNetwork.com Facebook.com slash TheNextLevelNetwork for all other podcasts on the network. Yeah. Uh, And then, yeah, just stay tuned for another chapter next week. I'm sorry. I was just on a roll and I'm like, cool, I'm fine. I kind (laughs) of interrupted it and ruined the flow, but it's all right. It is fine. My my brain's just, I'm exhausted. Too much ectocooler. Yeah, yeah, too much. (laughs) Way too much. Uh, But yeah, that's going to wrap it up. Yeah, so uh, with that, we'll see you guys next week for another chapter of Still Afraid of the Dark. Bye. Bye.